Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Some interviews come along and it's a different kind of challenge because you've known the band or the artist or the person for so long, you actually wonder like, where can we take this? That was definitely the case on this conversation on the interview series with Matt Bellamy from Muse. Thanks for joining us on the interview series. I'm Zane and I'm looking forward to sharing this one with you because it actually went somewhere that we'd never been before. It was almost like we used that over familiarity that comes with time, conversation and and hopefully something resembling friendship. And and we kind of used it as a safe place to explore things we hadn't explored before. There was a trust in this chat that I think could only come from time. When I think back about the first time I met Muse, I mean, I was young, but they were really young. I mean, straight out of Devon onto the world stage playing music that looking back on it now was just so out of the ordinary and spectacular. And it took the rest of the world a long time to figure out what France got really early, which is that going out there and and being theatrical and being unafraid to show your abilities and pouring it into music that can go all over the scale is nothing to be embarrassed about. The word prog is not a bad thing. I do think Muse are are actually a very strange modern prog rock band. Um, So we're going to get into all that. A little bit of socio-political chat, pulling apart the future of this dystopian society, you know, classic Matt from Muse on the interview series. My name is Matt, <laughs> and I like to lull you into a false sense of malign oh, insecurity, and then I beat the fucking shit out of you! <laughs> Have you heard the middle section of that song? No, I've heard the whole fucking album. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. It's the craziest record you've ever made. It's the first, the first death growl ever on a Muse record. It's very good. Yeah. It's very authentic, too. Well, the... Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, which is very hard. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's really hard, man. It's hard to do that, then go back to falsetto. Did That's you ever it. try and be a screamo guy? Did you ever try and do a chino? Or it just didn't have it, it in it's, you? It, 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 it just came out like a high-pitched falsetto wail. Like whenever, whenever I go loud, that's where it goes. Yeah. It can, I mean, can you imagine how Dave grow? I mean, how does he do it? I mean, how is he... Like, night in, night out, over so many decades, he goes on there and he's just like... Well, yeah! <laughs> like, how does he do you know? I, I think I think a good volume of alcohol helps. It does help. It really does, yeah. I've noticed if I'm hungover or boozed a lot, yeah. if, I, if I go for my big notes, yeah. they, they sound a bit more like um, ACDC or something. When I mean? was the last time you did a show with a hangover? Is it even a reality for you um, these days? I think I stopped drinking before shows like maybe late 2000s. Cause yeah. Because, you know, I, I did other things as well. Like, And it was kind of like, I'd look back at my performances and go, what the yeah. hell was that? That was well, terrible. Because it starts out and doing that in front of 400 people, sweet. Doing that in 4,000 <laughs> people, no problem. Even doing that in front of 14,000 people, I got this. Doing that in front of 80,000 people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you want to keep your shit together when you're doing that, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Well. I had to knock booze on the head. Well, well done losing your shit on this album. Oh, thank you very much. Good so you heard the whole thing? Of course. Good man. It's crazy. Good man. It's really, really nuts. It's like, like I said, it's sort of, it's everything we love about you. There it is. On 10. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what we did. Yeah, we sort of went back through everything and we're like, what, what have we done that we could do better? You know, so on, yeah, for example, you just played Kill or Be Killed there. Yeah. That's like us going like, okay, if we're going to go heavy, let's go heavy. Heavy. Know? Yeah, yeah. And the drums on that are interesting to me because, again, and it's, it's no surprise to Muse fans, you guys have, have dabbled with, um, you know, different sonic 
templates throughout your career. Certainly after the first three albums, I feel you start to really explore with Dom's drum sounds, bass yeah. sounds. Um, you're able to make uh, electronic sounds and music fit well within the band infrastructure. Um, but there's a lot of different drum sounds on this one. It's not like you just fight, you know, you mic'd up his drum kit and said, right, spend a day doing some tracks and we'll see you in three months. Totally, yeah. You had like a, you had a different kit for everything pretty much. But there was like, I was really pushing him on the double bass drum stuff. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, he's, he's always been a single bass drum pedal, so you can't uh, play it. So you don't get the which is like the real metal vibe. And uh, so we got a double bass drum pedal in. And I was saying, come on, just practice that. And like every day I'd come in and go, come on, go, do, 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 just keep it going. Like, and somebody tells me that Dom at this point in his life, as hardworking <laughs> as he is, isn't really into practicing. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, I mean, but that was what was refreshing about it. It was nice to actually find something that like we weren't good at. Do you know what I mean, and like actually try and get really good at, you know, because metal, it turns out these metal players are absolute geniuses. You've I mean? flirted with it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as a band, I feel like as a band who has achieved the success you've achieved, um, you've almost been metal adjacent. But this time on this album, there are sounds that make it feel like you actually have committed wholesale yeah and it also coincides with a little bit of my son Bing who's really gotten into like Slipknot and stuff like that you know can go on Bing. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, you know we never pretend to be able to touch those guys but hearing that stuff uh, blasting on the way to school most mornings it's like that really kind of got into the album a little bit I love that man your boy <laughs> just went out one day and just discovered Slipknot on his own and just said this is my sh- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how kids just grow into their own space and we think we understand them and the next thing you know, they come home and they're wearing f***ing makeup and they're listening to <laughs> Wait and f***ing Bleed. I just think it's the greatest thing of all time. I mean, listen to this This f***ing bonkers, by the way. These guys are truly, like, mind-blowingly good, man. Slipknot are truly one of the greatest of all time. We jammed we jam this riff a couple times uh, be- on the tour. Yeah, you yeah. do, yeah, yeah. Just this, just this intro, yeah. But when it drops in, it drops in like f***ing, like, it mugs you. Totally. Massive. It, it f***ing mugs you, doesn't yeah, yeah. it? Absolutely. <laughs> that was literally my soundtrack. That's, that's been my soundtrack going to school for like the last year, basically. Oh, have a great f***ing day yeah, at yeah. school, son. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I love it, man. So the album starts, uh, Will of the People, The Will of the People. The will of the people. The will of 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 the will of. You know, we're, we're very, again, it's been a constant throughout our lives together as fans and band for you to try to empower us to recognize the flaws in like society that. and ultimately do something about it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, we, 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 we've seen, our generation has seen this huge change. You know, you know, obviously it started with 2001 and just across this whole period of time we've seen this thing going on. What is this thing? It's kind of like something's going on in the West, a kind of collapse, a kind of division has been emerging. And now we're dealing with like real external threats. You know, it's like, it, we just feel like we're a part of this generation where something is going to go down in a major way. You know? And yet you live here still and you could live anywhere in the world. <laughs> and I'm here I with like, you. I like, come on, I, I think you've got the edge. I like, I like being close to the edge. You know what I mean, I it's, it. like, it's like something about LA, something about California, you just really are, you're literally on the edge of a, of a massive tectonic plate. Do you know what I mean, there's yeah. that. But it's also just full of risk takers and just crazy people i I agree i love it i agree i agree it's funny a lot of my friends left in 2020 and 2021 yeah i went the other way i stayed i stayed and 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 you know i remember when a friend of mine who moved back to new zealand said you have the most precious item on the planet right now you have a new zealand passport (laughs) that's true it's true you could have (laughs) why aren't you using it exactly yeah i feel like half of the tech industry has moved to to new zealand haven't they and it cost them a pretty penny but but i'm sure but my thing is like be part of the solution 
or at least yeah. observe yeah. and learn. Yeah, America's where it's going down, like no question. Do you know what I mean? It's like the division in, in this country is kind of like, if that's not solved, it's like a major, major issue. Like threats from, a, from you know, major threats from outside are going to come in, you know? Yeah, for real. It, it, and this place could fall apart. So like, so like trying to be a part of the solution or trying to like comment on it or, or even give people the ideas of how they could solve it, I feel yeah. like that's the way to go. Yeah, when you find yourself in a situation and you know the theme is developing over the album because you are a conceptual band, I can't think of any albums that haven't had some kind of through line. The last one felt somewhat optimistic and searching for solutions and other alternative realities. This one, you're really looking outside your window again. Yeah, yeah, it feels a bit more like closer to reality this time. You know, I think I think in the past a lot of our stuff's kind of delved into kind of like fictional dystopia, like, yeah, like but you know, your fictional Georgia dystopia world. is actually just a couple yeah. of years ahead of every of the reality. Exactly. Of- yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm a huge fan of like '80s dystopian films, and then obviously you know you, you know I've written about uh, like George Orwell books and stuff like that in previous albums. I, I think sometimes through fiction you can explore things that are maybe a bit more harder to speak about on the nose. You know. So can you be prepared when you wake up one day and the news reflects the art you wrote for five years before? hand and how do you take that because it could just be chance but also I, I i mean i don't i don't think it's particularly unique i think there's loads of artists out there. i think there's loads of people that just have they just feel it they feel it inside and they feel something's not right something's changing you know there's a risk of collapse here a risk of western civilization kind of the empire of the west if you know what i mean coming sure. to it coming to an end in one way or another uh it's had a good run you know since second world war to now uh, the american empire and it's like seeing it kind of being threatened kind of falling apart from within it's just like a real tough thing to watch because we all kind of love it we love what it originally stood for you know agreed and i still do i still yeah. believe in it i still believe yeah, it. i still, me I still too. have I faith that it can come through the other side yeah. but but you know that's you won't find much of that on this album so, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but the interesting thing for me and i don't think i've ever asked you this before is that in writing about resistance in writing about liberation in writing about the idea of people taking control of their destiny in in, in the face of of um you know conflict and challenge and and rights being taken away, you run the risk of handing this out over to people who can choose to take it one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, getting getting to getting to the core of kind of political belief. I'm like, you know, I've, I'm very influenced by Rage Against Machines. I mean, like, I'm a huge fan of them, and and through them, I sort of learned a lot of different perspectives. I mean, there's different ways of looking at the word freedom. Basically, that's that's the issue, isn't it? Like, there's freedom, like like raging libertarian freedom, but there's yeah. also freedom for a person to be able to own a piece of land and just look after their family. Do you know what I mean, yeah. So there's, you know, like how how do you bridge those two gaps together? Okay, I, so I, I look at a song, I listen to a song like Liberation, and I'm like, that is just ripe for the picking on either side of the fence. And I just, and I wonder sort of as the writer of the song, look, we all know that it really hurt. It's hurt yeah. a lot of great artists throughout their life when their music is co-opted in environments that they didn't intend it to be. Yeah. How do you live with the fact, or accept the fact, I should say, living with it is easy, but accept the fact that when you write a song like Liberation, that could be used in lots of different ways. Yeah, I mean, I see it as a kind of, I always see it as a positive that if there's people from both sides of the coin are coming together to listen to something or be a part of something, maybe one of our shows. Boy, that's idealistic, man. Um, I I know it's idealistic, but I mean, it's, I I always try and have some kind of hope that these two uh, sort of ways of think, uh, schools of thought which are opposing against each other in the US right now, you know, the question is like, is there anything that can, is there any common ground here that can be found to bring these people together? What and you're saying in their song is that the common ground ultimately is a common uprising. I, I think the common ground is that there's a need, a need for systemic change. You know what I mean? Like in, in the way politics is done, potentially, you know, I, I think I think, the, I think the democratic structure is amazing in this country, but as everyone knows the lobbyists and everyone's they're, lost faith they're, in they're it. There's so much corruption it's there. It's been bought and sold. And I, and I think the one thing that, one thing both sides have in common, you yeah. know, but the, the, you know, the hard right, hard left, they both agree there's a massive amount of corruption at the, at the, at, in the elites, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I feel like that is something that both sides maybe can agree on. So coming up with a new a new system of how to solve that, I think, is something that could bring both sides together. It's 
awesome to hear so much fight and reflection and perspective going on in your music at this point, because as far as rock standing is concerned, you've hit your own elite place. You know, if you, there's every reason for you to check out um, <laughs> and to do music you want to do, but in a different way. And yet I feel yeah. like you've actually made probably one of the most divisive albums, like, like thematically, yeah. you've ever made. Uh, most what divisive? Divisive, in oh, a way, really? yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I, as I, I said, I don't see it that way. I think I've always, I've always been for uh, systemic change in the way politics is done. You know, in, in the West, um, I'm not a socialist. I'm not a raging libertarian. I'm probably some kind of left libertarian, if you know what I mean, like a Noam Chomsky type. Uh, I think that's always been a, a general theme throughout. It's uh, you know, I come from a, I come from a background where you know my family went through a breakup, my dad went bankrupt, a recession in the UK, single mum, all that kind of stuff. So I've seen what it is to be on the other side of the coin. I've also worked my way up and become very successful in yeah. my own right. So I've seen what the advantages can be taken by those who are successful. Um, try, trying to stay true to what I felt in that period in my teenage years, where I felt like kind of. You know, I feel like my mum wasn't being supported that well. You know, opportunities weren't that great for us as a family. I kind of like I've tried to keep stay true to that in through the music uh, throughout the whole time. You know? It's very fair, and you know what? You're right. Divisive is the wrong word. What I meant was kind of more um, agitated. You're agitating <laughs> the situation. You know, right? divisive would suggest that there would be people who listen to this that don't actually agree with what you're saying. It's the opposite of that. No, I think I think revolution is certainly coming. You know, I think that's the bottom line is, you know, whether it's just whether it just falls into a kind of civil war and chaos and some external threat like uh, China or Russia takes advantage of that. Mm. That's one path. You know, the other path is as a revolution, which is I don't like this path, but a revolution is often replaced with authoritarian regimes of one kind or another. Mm -hmm. what well, that's for, why they're encouraged. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what I, if I had to pick one thing that I'm fighting for is, is like, we can we create a revolution? Can we create change here where, where it isn't violent? And it doesn't lead to an authoritarian regime. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't. It, we don't lose more of our rights in the process. That's the challenge. You know, that's the path that we have to try and make happen. You, know? you said something really powerful, I thought, before, which was you try to hold on to that feeling that you had in your teenage years when your identity was under threat, ultimately because circumstances out of your control were guiding you down a path you didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen what it is to be, see my mum struggling and stuff as a single parent and stuff. It's painful because you can't do anything about it. And yeah. Uh, you have a couple of years ahead. Yeah, and then also seeing like what led to the bankruptcy in the family was like a, a big, huge recession. Some guy called George Soros was short selling the pound and it kind of put the UK into a recession. Like, so at a very early age, I had this whole thing of like, okay, there's some, there's definitely some parties at the very top here, like, you know, extremely wealthy, extremely powerful people that are kind of playing games with people's lives. Do you know what I mean? And it's, and it's like, um, I've, I've always had that feeling that that needs to somehow be moderated. Well, but you've done it from inside the whale. What's interesting was you didn't try and just continue to throw spears at the outside, on the outside of, a, of an object that isn't going to feel them. <laughs> <laughs> you you got swallowed up in your dinghy and now you lived in the well and you've made change from inside those systems. You've been successful. You've worked your way into those rooms to have conversations with people who make great decisions and people who make yeah. really shit ones. Yeah. And I wonder kind of like, it, it, you know, if a big part of that motivation was realizing that actually trying to protest from the outside in to some degree is a little bit of a long and pointless road. You mean, are you asking like what I've seen by if I've been close to people that really are up there? You mean? Yeah, we're conversing. What ultimately motiv motivated you to not want to reject the system you saw that was corrupt in the beginning, but ultimately get closer to it, not to say you joined it. Oh, and right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah you've yeah. made money. You've, you've been successful. You're an investor. You move in lots of different places yeah. outside of music. You're fascinated by that. People who are ultimately traumatized by that infrastructure, a lot of them yeah. don't get closer to it. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of people that go on that journey where they kind of come from, you know, come from nothing, if you like, build those, build them, build their way up. Uh, and there's plenty. Of, there's some people which obviously start to embrace the, you know, that change and that shift. There's yeah. other people that try to maintain what it was they learned and what they saw across that journey. Which you know one I mean? are you? I'm, I'm trying to be the latter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Getting the band back together and making music, you know, it's not like 
you know, it was in the beginning when you all sort of lived probably within five miles of each other and it was just like those first few albums. That's safe to say that is probably the glory, most innocent time of fun and games you can have in a band, right? Well, the early years, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you literally like, you live together, you do everything together. You're living in a bus together, you're in the studios, you live together. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a family, do you know I mean? So how do you make it work? When you started to mature and grow and decide to live in different parts of the yeah, world, yeah, you have to you have to respect each other's uh, you know personal lives, issues. You know, everybody has moments in time where they're just not that available. People have like you know issues at home, blah blah blah. You know, so you, you just got to respect that and not let it and not fight it. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, if someone has a bad year, just you know, can't you know, don't do the shows that are going to get in their way to deal with what they need to deal with. You know, are oh, you talking about friendship? Uh, well, brotherhood with us, you know, so friendship and brotherhood, but it's like supporting each other. Um, we've all, you know, at, at different points, we've all had difficult periods where one of us is like, you know, what, I don't want to tour next year. I can't do this. You know, and you just respect, yeah. you respect that. Do you know what I mean, whereas I think other bands maybe fight that and go, well, you can't do this tour, blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll get someone else in or something. But, you know, Chris once said to me, Chris Martin once said to me that, you know, bands aren't supposed to, to survive. They're not supposed <laughs> to last forever. You know, they're supposed yeah, to have yeah. a moment in time and then ultimately they give way to something else and life takes over and la, la, la. And yet it's ironic coming from him because they're into their 20th and heading towards their 30th anniversary, so are you. Yeah. Um, for Muse, you know, apart from that respect, what are some of the other ingredients that you think have allowed you to want to continue to make music as compelling as this? Well, I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, I've, I've chatted with Chris about it as well. It's like there is there is something that ties you together if you've been together since uh, teenage years. It's, it's hard to really put a finger on what that is. It might be because you've been on that journey from coming from nothing to being very successful mm -hmm. that it, they become some of the only people that you can actually really relate to mm -hmm. and talk about mm -hmm. what the journey felt like and the up, the, you know, the ups and downs. We, all of us have been through relationship collapses together and stuff, and we talked our way through that. We're now like the longest marriage of any of us have ever had. It's basically news. Like the three of us are like we've been together longer than anyone. They're there's loads of other people, peripheral people, friends, uh, ex-wives, and all this kind of stuff that, that, that you know, we've, I don't want to say we've left along the way, but, you know, the people that, we've, yeah. that, that have happened along the way. Um, but the three of us, uh, as time goes on, that it, they become the only people that, are, that know every single data point of your life. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know... Well, you're now in a situation math-wise, because I know you love math, and I'm, <laughs> is, it, is it you are now in a situation where you're well over half your life you've spent today, you've spent together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And every day that you spend together... You're chipping away at the time that you weren't together. So eventually, when this all comes to an end, <laughs> majority of our majority life of your lives has been us three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're almost there, are we? I think we are. Yeah. Well, I hope. I think, not. You're, I think only, you're only in your mid forties. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but we, you're we, over yeah, halfway. We, yeah, but we started when I mean we knew each other from when we were like fourteen. So yes, you're well yeah, over halfway. Exactly. Yeah. So we're already there. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. Seeing the guys change as well, but just focusing on music again um, and watching the changing of of watching everyone grow as players. I'm just going to say this outright, and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but when you first got together, you were easily the most sort of um, pro prolific and, and naturally gifted of the three. Uh, I don't like using those words because I never saw myself that way. But uh, it's, um, I, I mean, I saw myself as like not good enough to be a classical musician or a jazz musician. Do you know what I mean? Because right. I, you know, I may have gone down that road in my teenage years when I was first started playing. I was uh -huh. really into classical, you know. But I just wasn't good enough, so so I, I, don't, I don't really see myself in that in those terms. Okay. There's, there's a million uh, amazing musicians out there playing classical music right now, jazz music and stuff that are just like way better than us. You know what happened with music? Like we came along at a time when, with all respects to the grunge era, like let's just say musicality wasn't at necessarily at its highest. That's a good point, and that's kind of where I was about <laughs> yeah, to correct, yeah. correct my point. So <laughs> for me, let me let me let me phrase it a different way, and follow on from that that observation. When you came out, no one was 
showing off the way you could show off as a band. Like no one was getting on stage and playing the way you could play. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say, I would, again, I wouldn't say showing off because I've never really been a big solos guy. But to the point, I think we were lucky that we came along at a time when you had... Okay. Yeah, That's yeah, what had, I'm going to call foul because I need the guitar. Pass me the guitar. Where's the guitar? This was what you were like when you used to come out on stage, right? <laughs> This was a news show okay, in, okay. in the year 2000, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I can do, I can, like, what do you want me to do with this? I can do it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was yeah. Like, but have you seen Tom Morello? I mean, come on. I know, I know. And we all know Tom, and we all know that Rage Against the Machine are ultimately. They, they, they were a total anomaly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, think, I think they were the only ones that were like. Their okay, music is North Star. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in terms of like musicality, they were like, in the 90s, they really stood out. Like, For sure. Everyone else was playing power chords and like just. But they were coming from. Zeppelin to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're righteous Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, I'll go with your point. Where are you going with this? Well, my point is, is that when you, I've completely lost my train of thought. That's why I love talking to you because it goes wherever it goes. But my point is that when you came out, like there was no one who could do what you do. There you go. That's an even way of saying it. Like I remember seeing you live the first time in Paris, young band, first couple of songs out and just thinking, I haven't seen anyone this good, this young play this well as a unit. Now, watching everybody grow as musicians, what have you learned about everybody, including yourself as a player? What is it? Is it that you get better? Is it that you learn to get worse in order to be, reach the core of the song? Like, how does it change yeah, over no, time? It's, for me, it's like about songwriting. It's about trying to improve on that front. You know, and that's been a long-term sort of journey, if you know what I mean. Because I, I just don't think I was like naturally a songwriter when the band first got together. It's just like, as you pointed out, it was more music. It was like prog. It was very prog stuff. Right. A lot of jamming, a lot of just noises and like... And then like, trying to figure out where the words Instrumental fit. sections, do you know what I mean? And I think really like that gave way over time to me really sort of trying to focus on the actual song itself. You yeah. know, like what is this about? What is the lyrics? What is the melody? You know, because I'm, I'm thinking about the whole thing, do you know what I mean? So I, 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 if anything, I've kind of like let my let's say, pure kind of like, you know, Ability blast, blasting out shredding scales and stuff. I let that go kind of a long time ago in favor of actually focusing on the bigger picture of what the actual overall music sounds like, the whole band and the whole thing, you know? So what's the song that you're most proud of on this album? Is it Ghosts? Uh, that one's uh, an unusual one for us. I was surprised that Dom and Chris even wanted that on the album. We actually talked about it and whether it should go on the album. You Why, know? Why um, would it not? Well, because I, I, I did, I did like during the pandemic, I did a couple of things on my own, just like kind of, yeah, you know, remember. just on the piano, the acoustic, just you stuff. You put a couple of things out, right? One yeah, yeah. And I, I, this song was kind of like in my mind in that world, if you know what I mean, like more like a sort of just me on the piano, um, singing alone. And um, But yeah, no, Dom really liked it. He, he kind of thought it was... Yeah, it wasn't like anything we've ever put on an album before. And, and really, actually, you know, one of the things we did on this album was we looked back at all of our, we looked at our set list, we looked back at all of our old albums, we thought, like, what's missing? You know, and one thing that is missing is a good, a really good ballad, if you know what I mean, like, a, you know, it's like an acoustic track, if you like. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got a song called Unintended on the first yeah, album, yeah, but yeah. that is actually, like, the whole band playing. It's not really a totally acoustic number. You know I mean? You've never had a reduced but a song that's just written and recorded and performed entirely on piano. And um, what really struck me about that was... Um, I mean, the lyrics are tough to hear. You know, someone who's like millions of people watched the dynamic of our, my family change in a way that I can't get close to it, right? I can't, yeah. I can't be present. So what I'm coming back to is fundamentally different to what I left behind in 2020. Yeah. And I really feel like you've captured that beautifully on this song. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it totally came out of the pandemic period, it, as I said, it connects directly to some of the other stuff I did during that time. It was kind of like very, it was lonely by nature. The, the first time I ever kind of went down the road of like doing acoustic solo-y type stuff was mm -hmm. because I was on my own in the studio and no one else was around, you know? Mm -hmm. And that song kind of came out of that. So it really is a direct kind of, 
expression of that kind of isolation, the loneliness, and also the, you know, the tragedy of what's happening for so many people. There was a lot going on as well in your personal life. You were becoming a dad again. You know, um, you were forced into a situation where you got the family time, which is beautiful, but at the same time, the community around your family and my family and everyone as individuals on the macro level is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The community is just like non-existent. Yeah. We're not seeing each other. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was just, I mean, it was, it was amazing because it was just me, my wife and the baby, you know, so we had, you know, it was just us, I mean, obviously loads of other people went through this, but obviously, yeah, it was hard being away from our parents, you know, having a baby and stuff and like, you know, her parents were all in uh, Texas, Louisiana, mine were all in England and we had to, you know, we had sort of just being on our own, it was just, you know, you know, FaceTiming to see our baby and stuff was, was kind of an unusual time, but, but it was, uh, but it was also lovely for us, you know, we felt very lucky, you know, to have that time and have time with the baby and everything. Did you go through anxious periods during this time? Do you uh, suffer from anxiety? Do you get the stomach churn and things like that? I mean, I get not 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 in a serious way. I'd say work related sometimes. If you know what I mean, like sometimes I see a tour getting booked and I'm like, oh, blimey, I've got like fifty shows to do. It's like you know, and and if it actually, you know, what gives me anxiety is sometimes I'm a bit I'm a bit of a you know flying. Like, I'm not a great flyer. Yeah, I'm I mean? not a great flyer. Yeah, yeah. Talking, we were talking before about um, uh, you were talking about some artist or something to do with the VMAs or whatever. But it might reminded me of. The one time we had that moment where we we, we won the new band award at the Enemy Awards. Yeah. I, may, I may have told you this before, but we had the, we had this little. It was the only time we ever took a, a little propeller plane. Uh, we had a gig. We were opening up for Bush in Germany, but we had mm. to go and get this award. Mm. Record label got this little plane. As it was going down the runway, like one of the one of the uh, engines blew up, and it was like went on fire and skidded off the runway. And like ever since then, I've been like I'm just sketchy in planes. Generally. Private planes are. F- uh, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, so no more of that. It's, you don't fly private. Uh, we, we do. We do when it's all of us and the crew, like it, and a large, a large group. If you know what I mean. And on you the, have to, on, but... on the last tour, it's like yeah, you're talking about like 50 people on a plane, so it's like you know, uh, and we take the gear sometimes as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're approaching this time where all that stuff has to get cut down. Yeah. I've only ever been on a private jet a couple of times, and I've never felt turbulence like it. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough. It's it's it really is like you're in a tin can. Well, no, this wasn't turbulence. This was just literally going down a runway. <laughs> one plane, up. one engine blows up, skid off on the grass, and we we were like we jumped out of the window with with our enemy award, and we're like, yeah, welcome to our welcome to our new life as a as a as a best new band of enemy, whatever it was at the time. But yeah. we, we, we've hit off, we've hit off top of that. What are we talking about? We're talking about anxieties. Yeah. You said, do I get anxious? I just yeah. want to talk about yeah, Bush yeah, and no, Germany tra- now. Travel, like intense travel. Like, get like that. that does mean a little bit, yeah. Getting back to Bush and Germany. <laughs> uh, I think about, I think about, no, because I think, because I mean, I think, you know, there's so much that we could talk about and we, we're always going to come back to the new album, but there's so much we could talk about that we've never discussed just singular moments that just get forgotten about. Right, right. Like, what was it like playing with Bush in Germany? Uh, that was that was a yeah it was a weird time it was it was Gavin was on fire back then he yeah. was just a yeah, yeah he, was, he was one uh, of the world's biggest rock stars yeah he was a shirt off you know like you know the after parties were were crazy do you know what I mean um, I'm not sure if it, that stuff would be allowed anymore but <laughs> but he was uh, it was a fun tour those guys I think it was just Germany I think we did a couple of Scandinavian dates we opened up for loads of people back then we opened up for Skunk and Nancy on tour that was crazy. great uh, we opened up for um, Chili Peppers um, yeah. yeah it was really cool we really cut our craft there sort of just learning from watching other bands playing you know. What was your favorite early tour you ever did with anybody? It was it was the Chili Peppers one. You know, we opened up for Foo Fighters and Chili Peppers. Uh, I remember because I yeah. came to a show in Portugal and yeah. Foo's was supporting the Chili Peppers. We were the opening band. And you were the very opening band. Yeah, but uh, but we did like a leg around kind of uh, Midwest America. And, wow. and that was and that was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Get, get to see them play every night, both those bands. It was like it. That was probably, that was 99. I mean, that was yeah. real, real early days. 
And uh, and I do think that actually changed the way we played. You know, uh, I think before that it was shoegazery, indie, shy kind of this like is how far we can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that tour, it just it was like you know after, after seeing Flea like you know doing his thing and the energy he puts out there, it was like you know we need to up our game massively. Massively. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you did. And now I mean, I, I read an article recently with somebody. It might have been in the Guardian said that when it comes to performing live. Um, you know, you are like the heavyweight contenders. If there's a competition for putting on live shows, like you, <laughs> you're like a... You well, we, we've learned from, in my opinion, the best. Like, you know, I've, I've seen Rage uh, fifteen, Rage Against Machine 15 times. You just went. And and you yeah, yeah, I just saw them twice this weekend. Uh, it was unbelievable. I was... Uh, I even got a look from Morello. Also, I was very happy with that. Yeah, yeah. He gave me a little wave and a look because because our, our seats were kind of just to the side of the stage, and I was like, he was playing "Calm Like a Bomb," and he know I think he might know it's my favorite song, and I was like, yeah, I was like just going for it, and he gave me a wave, and I was like, Tom Morello waved at me. <laughs> I just love that we can, you know, listen. The the, the whole life that we we committed, both of us in a different ways, committed to music, right? Yeah. This is like you turn fan into fun, and then fun becomes life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet you can still find yourself at Madison Square Garden and you're just that kid <laughs> at Reading watching Rage again. Except yeah, this yeah, time yeah. he actually waved to you or as opposed to Reading enough <laughs> idea you were. I did not get a wave at Reading, that is a fact. Uh yeah, no, it was amazing. Loved it. And uh yeah, I still love going to shows. You know, I I, I went to see Slipknot with uh with Ryder and Bing yeah. um when they played in LA. That was really that was really amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw. I saw Lady Gaga actually, and that was uh, I'm on a, her. On, just I like, actually am a bit of a Gaga fan. You're I always, a monster. I, I always have. I always have been a monster. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to do that thing where I say I saw a play in front of like 500 people in DC in like 2007. Or but something. you did. I did indeed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, always from day one, I thought she was just an absolute phenomenon. Yeah. What do you love about Gaga? Uh, the theatric. Well, I mean, first of all, she's just an unbelievable talent. Okay, like she's a better, you know, she's an amazing pianist singer. She's better than me on both those things, and I just respect that. And I think she's an amazing songwriter. But then just the way she creates the visuals and the whole theater around the whole thing, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. It must have felt in some just in some way, shape, or form like someone had actually walked into your room. <laughs> you know, not your room as in Muse's room, but the room you were in with a few other artists that kind of weren't afraid to. Be to put bring some theater and performance and some eccentricity into this and not just be authentic, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've always wanted to delve into like fictional theatrics and things like that with our show as well as the music. Do you know what I mean, like, I think it's in you know, we talked about it earlier on, like, you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes delving with dystopia, you can get you can get more of a vibe across if you go straight fiction uh, rather than like trying to say, like, oh, like heart on, your, heart on your sleeve, kind of this is like. You know, this is what you know what we think politically, but uh, but yeah, I mean, she's amazing. She's been amazing at that. You know, uh, crossing that line between like what is fantasy and what is reality. You know, and I think that's a great. I think that's a great place to be uh, as an artist. You know. Yeah. Have you ever had a chance to kind of kick it with her and sort of share mutual kind of theories and thoughts? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I met her briefly. She wouldn't remember, but I met her briefly in two thousand and seven at that show. I think it was Washington DC or something. Mm -hmm. We were touring nearby, and I, I I said, look, we've got to go and see this show. I, I love this singer. She's going to be massive. And the guys were like, when we went to show, and the rest of the guys were like, "What is this?" Like they had no idea. But I was like, "This is this is amazing!" Like, and um, and I've never told anyone this, but she actually had like, I think she had two iPhones that were, or something like that were made into eyeglasses, like video. And I actually, <laughs> I totally straight up ripped that. That's where you got that idea from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, cut to four years later, I'm wearing video glasses. That's just basically me. that is me doing my Lady Gaga moment. Amazing. Right yeah, but but she said one thing to me like, that I remember was like real weird wisdom that she said to me. Like, we were just chatting briefly, and she said, she goes, "Oh yeah, I know me." She goes. She goes, rock, that's a tough genre, man. That's going to be a tough genre. And I, just, I just thought, like, what, what was that? You know, that was like, where did that come from? Um, but it was true, you know, yeah. So it's, it's a... Yeah, because 
she's a watcher. Yeah, yeah, she knows. She, she, she knows. knows. She's a real trendsetter, yeah. You know, she's the one who would tell stories about going and sitting down with record labels and they would yeah. g- give her the menu and say, order whatever you want. She's like, I'll have a glass of water. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I mean, say no more. Yeah, and yeah. what a way to tell a record label, I have the yeah. power. There's yeah. nothing you can do to buy me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I didn't know that. She's a cool cat. Um, last time we were here, we spoke about a song called We Are F***ing f- <laughs> Yeah, that's a great title. Um, I can't remember. I spoke to someone after about that song. Do you remember who came in and I mentioned the song that, title? That's the anxieties right there. There you go. That that song literally sums them all up. I think. Yeah, they're all in there. Yeah, because it's all in there. It's like a yeah. laundry list of like doom and gloom and holy. Sh- I mean, yeah. y- 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 you've danced around these this idea of finality many times, but you've never actually <laughs> laid it out like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, you couldn't have put one more song afterwards, just going. But we're going to be okay, kind of. You had to euphoria, end it euphoria, the one before that. The false, it's in the wrong order, the, the man. False it's in the of, wrong uh, order. The false sense of security comes just before, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah no, you know, look, I mean, look at all the bands we've been talking about, like Slipknot, um, Rage, you know, Metallica. Like, you know, we're influenced by, you know, Iron Maiden. We grew up on Iron Maiden, me and Dom did when we were kids. And it's like, you know, we've always been influenced by, you know, metal and rock. And, and delving in the dark side is what we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, go in there. You know, and, and you asked about anxiety. And that song is like almost just like one of those. I don't have it very often, but like if I did ever did have a moment where like late at night I'm like you know can't sleep and like all those thoughts start going around like what's going on like you know all these natural disasters like all this stuff that's happening civil unrest blah blah, blah and it all just kind of like puts you into a panic you know that song was written in literally that moment <laughs> you know one of those moments you know what's really fascinating about that to me is being the father of two teenage boys and you have two and you have teenage children um, yeah. you know we we have to sort of figure out how we kind of prepare them for this reality um, and tell them the truth but at the same time not not sort of them bereft of all hope yeah. i feel like you failed miserably with that song <laughs> and i <laughs> uh, well I, I think i think i think part of preparing is is, is being honest about what's I happening agree, do you i mean kidding, like you, you don't you don't you don't be like completely delusional you know i'll tell you I, the secret is just watch all eight eight seasons of alone on on netflix and there you go that'll that'll get you in the right place you know? seriously I, I just started watching season eight the other day and it's like have you seen it? it's like a survivalist no. show it's unbelievable oh it's 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 the real deal they they put um they put 10 people out in, in uh, British Columbia. They're all like, say, 50 miles apart, totally yeah. isolated. They've got their own cameras. Um, um, what are those little portable cameras called? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, GoPro, sorry. They've got all that stuff. And they just literally have to survive on nothing. They've got 10 objects, like a knife and a, you know, whatever, something else, like a, a saw mm. or something. Mm, mm. And they're left there. And the winner is the one who's still there, like, months later. The last one standing wins half a million dollars. It reminds me of back in the day in radio competitions, back when 80s, FM radio was the internet, um, they would put competition winners on a raised billboard. Competition, that, and, you'd, yeah. and you'd, you'd basically sit up there and the last person who's still up there after like nine months <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. of existing on like a piece of toast and <laughs> glass of water would yeah. win like a mini Cooper. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, but just a way more modern version. Of that. Totally, totally. It's always like it's always like uh, like Running Man or something crazy. A little you know? bit. Yeah, yeah. So, what have you learned from watching it? Uh, you know what? It was, it was a it was a, a bad segue because it's kind of like it's, you realize how hardcore these amazing survivalists actually are. You know, like a lot of them are ex-military and stuff, and yeah. they're just like they really know that. Shit. They know I mean, this. Shit. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, and then, but you see the mind game. Like we're talking about anxiety. Yeah. Uh, the thing that makes the thing that leads most of them to go home the fastest is not really that they made mistakes or they didn't survive. It's that their mind just starts playing games and they start to like miss home, miss family. Bit you know, isolation is like really bad. You know bad. I mean? So it's a really interesting show seeing just the psychology of these people go from being like confident 
solid to like kind of like gradually like oh, I, I, I'm not sure about this. this so what, is, right. what does it tell you as someone who's been writing about this from inside the inside the the womb of society <laughs> for a long time? Um, what does it tell? What further information do you gain from watching something like this? I, I think if that anything, really matters. Yeah, I think what really matters is uh, jokes aside. I say it's like. It's that, you know, me, me and myself, none of us are really that kind of self-sufficient in terms of like the ability to like get through really tough times, you know, yeah. psychological resilience, do you know what I mean? And I think, uh, I think that's something that you, you're talking about kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking about our kids, you know? Yeah. I think it's like, uh, you know, living, living, in, uh, living in tech the way we do, you know, we're so reliant on, on it all. Like, all it takes is like one solar flare and none of us will know what to do, do you know what I mean? And um, so stuff like that, I think like having like you know, having the ability to kind of live a little bit more without tech, basically, that, that's mm. what I get from the show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that an ambition? I, I, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that I'm anywhere near it. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, but I've got like, uh, yeah, I've got like a bit of a military thing in my family. Like both my grandparents were in the military. My uncle was in the military. My cousin's a colonel in the army right now. I've always had this thing of like, I wish I was a bit more uh, kind of like self-sufficient a bit, a bit tougher and self-sufficient in that kind of way. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's just a good skill to have. You know? I agree. Listen, I mean, I mean, you know, plant some vegetables. I mean, plant some <laughs> seeds. Yeah, yeah. You know, learn to live off the land a little bit. I think um, that 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 used to be kind of something that would be leveled at people in a sort of aren't you a little bit eccentric kind of way. And I think it's actually now a reality. I think so. Yeah, but also like uh, again, talking about like the extremes that we see, the viewpoints. I think one of the areas that they link up on is is kind of this, uh, you know, against kind of globalization of trade, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, the idea that there is a bit more localized, you know, yeah. pro, you know And even just food, quality you know of produce. I mean, yeah, I, don't yeah, know, yeah. I don't even know half the sh that that food's gone through before it yeah, gets yeah. on my table. Yeah, and again, that's one of those weird things that does actually, I think, to some extent, unify both sides, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, actually, you know, we don't like this massive global production of food, the way it treats animals yeah. and, and you know, agriculture and all the chemicals and everything. It's like, yeah, I think I think just like learning a bit more about that and having more of it done locally would be, would be good for everyone. God, it's just kind of overwhelming sometimes though, isn't it? I mean, if I was to sort of sit there and figure out how I was going to make even just a microscopic improvement in the way I live my life to better certain things, I would have to draw a, like a whiteboard, a list of things interconnected that would take up the entire space. It's a lot. You know, it's like, oh, how is my decision going to affect you know, to your point, the way right, right. you know animal mistreatment and the way things that how then how is that going to be connected to the to carbon emissions and how's it? And it's just so many links to things. It can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 size, like it size like size is maybe because I'm small. I don't know. I'm saying this, but like size is the enemy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's the thing. Where, again, like I'm I'm interested by the things that everyone can agree on, not just the you know the, the two extreme viewpoints, but size is the issue. Corporations getting getting to a, a certain size where it becomes just unbelievably you know. Uh, the, the shortcuts they take, the way they treat employees, all that kind of stuff. I think everyone, everyone kind of agrees that we don't, you know, we, size, like how can we moderate things? You know? we, we don't want to stop people having a chance to create a big business and do great, do very well. But at the same time, there's, there's doing well and there's becoming a trillion dollar company that controls like, you know, the, <laughs> half the agriculture in the country. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's like, mm. you know, there, there must be a middle, there must be a middle way here somewhere. Do you know what I mean, where we can allow people to create entrepreneurial ideas and do very well but at the same time have some kind of checks on power and size. Do you know what I mean? And I think the same thing can be applied to politics as well, you know? Yeah. God, the political system though, man. Talk yeah. about lacking faith. I mean, I, I think if you if you asked 100 kids in school right now, I mean, when I was a kid in the school yearbook, what do you want to be? It was either athletes, rock star, <laughs> or prime minister. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, totally. And now I don't even think one person would, would choose politics. <laughs> No, no, that is that is true. Actually, that's that's worrying in its own way, isn't it? It's, it's like, very worrying yeah. because if no one, the people that do go into it, are like, the ones who really uh, shouldn't be in it. Yeah, they're kind of like sociopaths, aren't they? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, how's Dom? 
Uh, he's doing good. Yeah, he's uh, he's. Dyed, I think he dyed his hair green or blue or something. And he's grown a mustache and a goatee. It's good. He's finally it's, grown facial hair. Yeah, he should, he should have dyed that as well. I think it looks. It look, always looks weird to me when you've got like green hair and a and a, and a gray brown drummers, beard. It's man, like, yeah. they should tell you when you start at rock school that drummers <laughs> are the ones you got to watch. You know? Definitely, definitely, yeah. The uh, couple of years away from midlife crisis, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years away. He's got green hair and a mustache. Uh, and how's Chris? Uh, he's doing great. Yeah, all good. Yeah, he's uh, looking after his brood as always. Yeah. Living in the UK still. He's still in the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They both are now. Yeah, Dom and Chris. Uh, Dom's pretty much more, more full time UK than LA at the moment. Yeah. Wow, cool. Good for him. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, he 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 was the one that went the other way. Do you know what I mean like that's why the 2020 thing you're talking about? You know, he actually got. He wanted to go back to the UK. I mean, yeah. like, you want to go back there, whereas I went a little bit like, I think I'm going to stay here. He was drawn to it. it out. Yeah, I think, I think when all, all the, yeah, when all shit started going down, he was like, I'm out. <laughs> you know? Not to try and make you anxious or anything, but can we talk about touring? Uh, yeah, 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 no, actually looking forward to it. Got, um, uh, I've got a few more shows this year. I've got doing a few little ones when the album comes out around October, but we're, we're just about to put together our big tour for next year. So it runs from January through to July. It's going to be our biggest arena tour in the US. We're Amazing. looking forward to that. Start, we're going to start in Mexico, US, Canada, and then finish in Europe. So it's uh, going to be great. How does the lifestyle of touring change over time? Like, you know, what are the motivating factors beyond putting on a good show? Like, how do, how do you stay balanced? Yeah, you go through different phases. You know, when you're young, it's just like the buddies together, you know, just exploring the world, yeah, yeah, partying, girls, all the stuff, yeah. And then, and then you kind of go through. How was it? I had a theory the other day. It was like I think it's yeah. And then you go through go through a period of like becoming tourists. You, you realize you know after ten years you're like you haven't seen anything in, yeah. in half of these cities. Yeah. Like I've been to Berlin five times, but I still haven't been to a museum yet. So you start off partying for about ten years, and then you sort of just become a tourist for about ten years, yeah. and then now we're entering the ten years where it's like wives and kids on tour, and that's actually a load of fun as well because because yeah. you've got your kids with you and all the kids like mucking around together and wanting to get and see stuff. So it becomes more like a family affair. Yeah. And your kids are old enough now to be able to really appreciate and acknowledge what it is that you do versus when. When they were young when you got those big <laughs> headphones on their ears. And uh, Lave- no, Lavella's too, right? So she's, well, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Bing, Bing's like full on into it. I mean, like he gets it, he's down the front, like uh, loving it. Um, but like, uh, when you're playing, he's down the front, uh, uh, in front of the barrier. You know what I mean? Now, let <laughs> me not, ask he's you, not, he's not in the mosh pit yet. I mean, old, in a few more years. How old is Bing? He's 11. Yeah. He's 11. Ah, uh, you got him at the right time. I mean, I was a 16 and 14. I know yeah. if my 14 year old was down the front and I was DJing, he'd just be on his phone, like, <laughs> when can I fucking leave? Um, but Bing's a fan. He is now. He was like when I was like when he was like five or six. He was really into it, and then he thought I was really uncool. He was probably right to think that for about five years, and he started getting to more like pop, hip hop, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. what was kind of big, like the big kind of pop stuff. Um, but then he got into hard rock again, and I think he, he only likes our heavy stuff. Like he likes he, like Kill or Be Killed. I think is the only one that he really likes on the mm-hmm. new album mm-hmm. because it's got double bass drum pedals. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's actually a really good drummer. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he, he can actually shred like. <laughs> on the bass drums like way like even faster than Dom you know what I mean um, it's, it's not necessarily the tightest thing I've ever heard but it is like he, he, he can just literally do it you know what I mean that's awesome yeah. do you think about their future in terms of like the life you've lived in music and the changes you've seen when you started to now you got a seat on the elfin ship with Gandalf you got to go to the <laughs> elfin wonderland where money still matters and you made it right. now it's tougher right there's a lot more bands on you know on the mainland with more door smoking yeah. it's harder my point like yeah yeah that's what for sure. Gaga said is right yeah. rock that's a tough business yeah 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 so when you think about your kids moving into music he sort of just hands off with that and like they'll figure well, it out well I mean Ryder's interesting he's like 18 right so he's and he's in a band I'm gonna go and see him play on the 20th just around here so but yeah no, it's interesting here in his perspective because like 
you know, I don't know. I think some of these younger kids, like, they're not as, amb they're not as, like, ambitious and they're like, got to make it massive in the big world. They, they really appreciate, um, you know, what it is to just have a group of friends and yeah. play great music together. I'm not sure if it's like a sort of, is it Generation Z? What is that generation? Like, 18 oh, I think we're back to A, aren't we? Yeah, no, back to A again, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that generation is, like, I feel like there's something going on there where they are kind of resisting a little bit of the kind of social media sort of seeking attention and that. being big type thing. It's like, I feel like there's something going on there. I mean, I, I just get this filtered through Ryder to me, but I sense there's a little bit of a shift there where yeah. kind of it could almost be like the emergence of what we saw, uh, like a different version of what we saw in the mid early 90s, you know, like where, you know, the early days of grunge and stuff. I agree, of, you know, Jackson, yeah. who's 16, um, he loves the process. Yeah. And every time that he'll post something, which is rare, and I worry if it doesn't hit the algorithm and find the audience. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I go into that, like, is he going to be devastated? And he's like, right. on to the next one. Yeah. On to the next one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like there's a certain, and I'm not saying this for every kid. I know social media still plays a huge role in, in heightened levels of anxiety and depression amongst in particular yeah. teenagers. But within the art, it seems to have kind of plateaued and reached a, some kind of saturation point where it just doesn't have the power it used to. I think so, yeah. I think I think there's a younger generation now that are looking to be a bit maybe out of it. You know what I mean? Like in a bit sort of like, you know, this they can see through it for what it is. It's just, it's just massive attention seeking and, and kind of selling products and all that kind of stuff. You know, my generation was like, uh, you know, I'm still like, I don't really get what this is all about. I still, you know, I still, I do it, do you know what I mean? But I still don't really like, like it. I don't really get it. I don't really, it just feels cheesy to me. It feels yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. It feels like. Well, yeah, that's because yeah. you and I are from the same generation. I'm a couple yeah. of years older than you, but I'm sorry, mate, you're on the same boat in the same ocean. <laughs> and, uh, and we were brought up to some degree to crouch at the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were taught to let our work speak for itself. Yeah. And our success arrive organically. It, exactly. Not to over stretch ourselves into 100%. a place where you're showing off for attention. 100%. Yeah, that's it. That's like the whole 90s thing, I think, was about that, you know? And I feel like, or I hope that, I think like the, a younger generation that's coming through is maybe resonating with that way of thinking a little bit, you know? 1991 to 1995. That was it. That was it, yeah. That, that was, was the, the period. That was the period where it could have so, if it had just stuck. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it rolled on a little bit after that. Tiny, you know? tiny. A little bit, bit. but I that mean, was the real core thing. It was just, era. it was keeping it real, no pretentiousness, like just wear what you want, be what you want, say, you know, say what you want. And just kind of like, it was just people playing music together for, for the fun of it, really. Like, you know, then obviously Nirvana and a few other bands like blew, absolutely blew up because it became a scene and that kind of changed the whole thing. I'm so glad we're still here, man. You and me are able to talk about your music. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while. We, they were asking me there, like, when did we first speak? Did we, were you at XFM? I was at XFM. Is that when we first spoke then? Yeah, I think the first time we ever spoke was on the first ever music you put out and I went to Paris and you did a show with Soax. So we're talking 2000 or 99? 99. Yeah, yeah. Early, early. Like yeah. very early on. Um, and maybe we did a quick thing on XFM even before that, but... 23 years. Oh my Lord. And I remember, <laughs> you know, because the UK didn't know what to do with you at first. Oh, they just didn't... I, I'm not sure they, they still do, really. <laughs> I don't know. A few Wembley stadiums and a lot of fucking... Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and like yeah, yeah. three headline readings, three headline... <laughs> Glastonbury's, I think you're okay. But it just, it was funny, you know, that um, it took everybody a, a minute to figure it out. But yeah, I never forget that time you came on stage to Knights of Sidonia at Wembley Stadium and thinking, wow, the weirdos won. 
<laughs> for a minute we did yeah and you were the DJ right there I was the you? DJ yeah, man I got it. to go and play that was, a, that was a great night Yeah, it was a kind crowd Wow. speaking of Reading and Leeds man before we go um, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about how great Reading and Leeds is because we've just seen a couple of bands make what I think is a, and I'm very I'm not one to judge man right or wrong it's your career you do what you want but I think they got bad advice um, you know going out and playing at the VMAs instead of choosing the festival where you're going to reach a lot more people and give people a memory that they may right. go on and form bands out of no one's going to do that watching you mime at the VMAs yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so rather than get you to weigh in on that and, 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 and choose a side, I just wanted you to talk about your experience of Reading and Leeds because I'm, I'm not sure that, that Maniskin and, and Jack Harlow truly understand how great it is. Yeah, so what, I mean, so what happened? Did they both pull out or something? Is that what happened? They both pulled out. And the problem is that they both pulled out and then went straight on the record and said it's because of the VMAs. And it's oh, like, yeah, you're choosing yeah, yeah. commerce over fan and, and that's fine. So that's, Sometimes so that's, you have to do that. But. So that must be the generation before Generation A that we were talking about. That's, that, so. that, that's the Z, isn't it? I is, think that's is that the Z, Z or the something else or, yeah. the, or the Y? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's not a good decision in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so I would never have done that. Um, and I think, uh, but then again, to 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 sympathise with the situation, I don't know what deals they're on. You know, some of these bands are on. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, me neither. I, I'll make sure my comments not wrong here. Yeah, but, me neither. Me neither. But you know, a lot of these newer bands are gone like these three sixty deals where the label like owns a piece of everything. Do you know what I mean they own a piece of your merchandise, your touring, everything? And, and so when they make decisions, it's like so. Ultimately, you're saying they have a controlling decision. I don't know. I don't know. The no, no, no. But it can happen that way. Is my point? I'm saying it can happen that way. I'd be I'd be surprised if they're on a deal like that. But if they were, that might explain why the, whoever made that decision for them like has a lot of power do you know what I mean I just think you know what makes me sad is and I think it's less so for Jack Harlow because he'll run around and, and there's a lot of opportunities for him that exist in a more of a meta space but Main is going to coming from a place of real legacy they are a brilliant rock and roll band yeah. I've gone on the record and said that you know they're, they're kind of helping me make up for all mm. of the the, the really misplaced judgment I, I, I gave to the darkness first time. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I was, that's, that's a really good call, actually. Yeah. I was not kind to the darkness yeah. when they first came out. And I, and I, I look back that, yeah. on it now and I think, I can get over maybe, myself. They maybe they were great. ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah, totally they were. Yeah, yeah. And so I look at Maniskin now and I'm like, I learned from that. I go, Maniskin are a great fucking rock band. Yeah. Maniskin need Reading and Leeds, a moment at Reading and Leeds in their legacy. Absolutely. And this was the year to do it. Yeah. And now when they go back, yeah. that first 10 minutes could be tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's like, is this just us, like, uh, remembering what, what created this these whole scenes in the early 90s? You know, because Reading back then was a completely different beast to what it is now, you know? But but you but you might be right, you know, that mentality, me and you share that, which is like having an element of authenticity, sticking to your commitments, sticking to your fans, yeah. especially the real ones yeah. that are paying to come and see you in a yeah. show. Yeah. It's like that should always come above some kind of promotional activity, like playing a... Look, know. go and give MTV their flowers, man. But I just know yeah. Amanda Skin would have run that festival. They would have been the moment of that festival. They yeah, would have yeah. had the best performance of the whole fucking weekend Absolutely. and 80,000 people would have walked away going, that's my band. Yeah. And now you got probably 80,000 people either going, who are they or them? Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You know, it's like, uh, it, could, it could work in their favor, but who knows? I'm so glad to see you. This album is really a triumphant music experience. Oh, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't let up except for the rare moment that it lets up for the first time in your entire career. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And, um, and I just think uh, on to the next thing. Not, just as hungry as ever, still loving the experience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've still got ideas and things we want to do that we haven't done yet. You know? So we're excited for the future. Thanks for listening to me and Matt waffle on and hopefully what was a very interesting conversation about many topics and that will happen with Matt. The new Muse album is as we described it, all the best parts of Muse neatly wrapped up into a greatest hits without any greatest hits, just future hits. Go and check it out on Apple Music and we will be back again with another conversation on the interview series soon. Take care.